It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Vikings sign another first-round receiver. Is the third time the fourth time the fifth time the charm? Will this work? Finally? Maybe? Hey, this is Arif Hassan, and I need to learn more jujitsu so I can avoid concussions. Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. I'm so concerned about that. What? <laughs> Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Only three more days, guys, until I start my preseason fantasy domination on you guys. Buckle up. And it would be worth taking a look at those teams as well and see who's been cut, who's been injured. But that's all coming up on today's Minnesota football party. Welcome in here on Locked on Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom. That's Luke. That's Luke. That's Arif. It's the full four-man panel today. Endless Vikings talk for the next hour. Plenty of training camp to get to. Plenty of transactions to get to. The Vikings have been lighting up the transaction wire the last few days. Injuries, uh, cuts, signings, waived guys. We'll get into all of that. Plus, Chris Carter straight copied us here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Straight theft. Stole our idea. Vikings Mount Rushmore. Not only did he steal the idea, he stole literally the same people that were on our Mount Rushmore. We're going to complain about that. And uh, we're going to call out Chris Carter later in the show. Um, but Arif, you've teased us all. Are you concussed right now? <laughs> no, because I took jujitsu. Uh, sorry, there's a Peter King story that came out last night slash this morning. You know how his stories come out. Uh, and uh, and in it, he revealed that Tua Tagovailoa took a bunch of jujitsu classes as part of his bid to avoid concussion. Something that I was very enthusiastic about because I do think that that actually helps a lot until I read the article and all it ever mentioned was him learning from YouTube. Uh, I have I tweeted about it. I was like, I, I hope that he took actual classes. Um, people have back channeled me and told me, yeah, he did. But the quotes uh, seem kind of weird. But yes, he did. Actually, they initially vetted the idea of using jujitsu to learn how to fall again. It genuinely helps you avoid hand injuries. Uh, and then uh, because of that, uh, took some classes after vetting it. So, which I thought was cool, but also I think is just kind of a funny note. That is a funny note. Glad you're not concussed. Uh, today's show brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And hey, subscribe on YouTube. Find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day, you know where to find us. Sirius XM app. Roku device, Amazon Fire, any of that. Uh, find Locked On Sports Minnesota. Uh, Vikings have signed a first round pick. This isn't even the latest inner or uh, this isn't even the latest transaction. What they do in the last hour? They uh, waived Cephas another, Johnson. Yeah, another wide receiver. And, yeah, is, he, signed, is Cephas also on my team? So I, I don't checked, think Cephas got drafted. Cephas not get drafted to our preseason fantasy teams. Remember, we have preseason fantasy teams, which will uh, be counting toward our contest starting Thursday night. So Luke Inman, why don't I just share the screen? Let's just like get a refresher on this. Yeah, I don't remember who's on my team at all. 
While you're pulling that up, Sam, think about this, too. We finally got our A.J. Rose or Rock Thomas, right, with Abram Smith. He could end up being the fantasy MVP, and because he just got signed and is the last running back on the depth chart, soaking up all those preseason reps, watch, he'll end up being the guy that goes off that none of us have. Uh, Yeah, we got Inman. Madison pick. What a bad pick. Inman has a healthy McBride, healthy Rager, healthy Powell, Oliver and Andre Carter, who is practicing, I'd be surprised if he plays in the game. So you might be down a defensive player. And Josh Oliver, I think, is questionable to play because of his status, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's questionable. I've got Chandler, Thayer Thomas, loving that. Lucky Jackson, loving that. Nick Muse, kind of loving that. Luigi Villain. I think I look the best of, of anybody because Arif is missing Malik Knowles. And Luke Braun is, is probably missing Tristan Jackson. Well, I'm also and, like, and there's Kenny. no chance my running back plays, Ooh. right? Like that's, uh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't. I, stand I think it. that was that was like your last pick too, where you just kind of. It had was. To, like, it was. Yeah, I, I, I somebody. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I picked Naylor or something like that, uh, because the two of the running backs had gotten off the board. I should have picked Longwu, but you know. And Naylor has not returned from his injury yeah. yet. Yeah. So. Right. Phenomenal. You're you're like you are literally relying on Johnny Munt and Troy Die. <laughs> do special team tackle count? I think they do. I think they should. All right, yeah. good. Let's go, Troy Die. Give the kid a chance. Hey, yeah, Inman, you, you were all over this, but can you remind us what are the defensive points? Let me write that down. So one point for a tackle, special teams or defense. Okay. One point for a sack. Two points for an interception. I thought it was one fumble. point for Maybe a one. fumble and one point for a fumble recovery. Force fumble, one point. Fumble recovery, one point. One point. I feel like sacks are should be two, don't you think? We could do two. I, it should be. It helps me if they're not, but yeah, it, it should be two. Let's do two. And uh, pick six or touchdown, six, six right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, TDs are six. Mm-hmm. Including special teams, right? Punt yeah. or kick. Yeah, which is which is where the Rager Powell stack should help Luke yep. I. Yeah, need one. One time. <laughs> one time. I, I, think, uh, I think you're looking better than than Sam makes you out to look. I think Powell and Rager. I think I think McBr- McBride should get a ton of run. McBride was the one one. Yeah, McBride will I get mean, a ton yeah, of run. I think yeah. Oliver I, I'm not sure if Oliver plays. Yeah, Oliver, I think, was my last pick just because. And you sniped yeah. me on pace, really want to pace. But Sam's right. Like, Carter, oh, yeah. maybe he good. misses this week, but hopefully he plays the next two, the final two, I guess. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I don't hate could, it. He could play a lot of snaps, too, if he right. if he's fully healthy. Too. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I just be like I don't the sense... LA Angels where I get Mr. Mankato, but also have the worst team. <laughs> I saw your tweet about that yesterday. That was that was amusing. I, They've look, lost honestly, like seven in a row. Honestly, you should just get some points for having Mr. Mankato on your preseason fantasy team. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, uh, I'm probably not gonna get it. So this you know what I'm arguing for a rule that doesn't benefit me in any way. Right. <laughs> like Troy dies not getting it, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I I would say you should get like ten points just for having Mr. Mankato. So if we were drafting today, Jacob Copeland would be available. Uh, Nikhil Harry would be available. Abram Smith would be available. Available. Vikings sign Nikhil Harry, former first-round pick, formerly of the Chicago Bears. This is, by my count, the fifth swing the Vikings have taken at signing an ex-first-round pick in the last five years. Kendall Wright, 
Michael Floyd, maybe it's six years, Michael Floyd, Kendall Wright, Josh Doxson, Jalen Rager, and now Nikhil Harry. So if we're power ranking, like so those you're, you're including five, trades because Jalen was a trade. Yeah, I'm including to acquire, I'm, perhaps is the word any kind. Yeah, not draft picks, but like acquisitions. Yeah, what, yeah. where where do we think Nikhil Harry's going to fit in here with the Josh Doxons, the Michael Floyds of the world, um, in terms of this acquisition? What do you I, what do you think? Obviously, the comparison to former first round picks acquired by the Vikings, Ahmad Rashad, no question. <laughs> no, I think. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize I, I, they acquired him. Yeah, no, he was yeah. uh he was a pick for the I think they were at the time the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, he was um, a St. Louis Cardinal, and then he went through Buffalo and then Seattle, and everybody thought he was a head case. Dang. That's a journey. Yeah. For such a stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was a whole thing. Holy smoke. Good for Immaculate Grid play. Very Great good immaculate yeah, grid yeah, answer. Um, and then he, he came here for like peanuts. Yeah, but like I think the most recent one outside of the ones you listed was like Michael Jenkins. Um, Jenkins, yeah, and Jenkins would literally win the power rankings because he did something. Like, yeah, he did. He did quite a bit of something. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, let's think about production yards. Yeah, Josh Josh Doxson one week. Wasn't he here one week? Which is longer than Kendall Wright, right? (laughs) He was here for a pre for a pre Doxson and Kendall Wright because I don't. Going to be on the 53 man roster for any time. Right. So, yeah, Doxon and Kendall Wright. And then I th- just in order of yards, it's um, Floyd, 78 yards. And then Rager with 104 yards somehow. Jeez. And a touchdown. And a touchdown. But a also had to give up a, touchdown. what, a fourth and a fifth for him, though, too. Yeah. But also, and also, you should yeah. include the fact that Rager was a net negative on punt. Like the, the fumbles. Mm hmm hurt you more than his punt return helped and Unless his inability to run routes them which yeah, okay if we're including his own fumble recoveries then they almost zero out but remember the fumbles were almost always negative yardage too right surely that <laughs> will keep happening. do nothing dude just do nothing just catch <laughs> yeah, the ball just, yeah. fair catch you'll be better than what you did last year so i i think in light of that i would probably take michael floyd over Kombucha Floyd over Jalen Rager. Kombucha. Michael Kombucha yeah. Floyd, who oh. showed up randomly in my wife and I's breastfeeding class when we were having our first baby. All right. Hey. That yep. is incredible. Put that on your immaculate grid. What, what grade <laughs> did you get in breastfeeding? Jesus. Is it just pass <laughs> or fail? The rarity yeah. score? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about what teacher you get, man. If you like the teacher, you like the class. <laughs> so Lactation consultants are a mixed bag, man. So I think we've appropriately ranked the first round receivers aside from Nikhil Harry. I think I think Harry is is somewhere between a Dachshund and a and a Rager. No, a Dachshund and a Floyd. Yeah, I think he's I'm above Kendall, I, right. right. Right's last for me. I think yeah. right's last, right? Just based off the stats. Not that any of these guys really have blown up any stats. Doxon, when he came in, I was probably most excited about just because you guys remember how you, biased you I was towards him coming him out, right? That, yeah, yeah, that Treadwell draft. Who else? Who's the first pick that draft receiver wise? Will Coleman? Fuller? Was it Fuller? Oh, yeah. It was Corey Coleman, yeah. Corey, Corey Coleman, Coleman. Yeah. yeah. He fizzed out. And funny, all three of those guys obviously tanked. And then the only guy who did anything was the fourth guy, Michael Thomas, who's. 
Still yeah, somebody was on him. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Nikhil Harry, I mean, he gives you that big body dude, I guess, right? Six foot four. I mean, who's the tallest receiver Garrett in the start? Garrett Mogg. Yeah, right. JJ six like, one. So yeah, Garrett Mock. So I think he gives you that big bodied, you know, kind of alpha boundary kind of guy. But really, if you've watched him play at all, whether it's New England yeah. or Chicago, the guy can't separate. He's just got no separation, whether it's the line of scrimmage or in and out of his routes or at the top of the stem. So it doesn't really get me that excited, to be honest, either. So um So, so we're yeah, between Doxon and Wright or Doxon and 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 Floyd. Like, do you think he makes a roster? No, no, he's so far behind. Between he's just playbook, right. verbiage, everything yeah. else. He's already behind the eight ball. And then you just look at this group too of wide receivers, five, six, seven. Like it's such a cluster right now. I don't see how coaches favor a guy like him versus maybe a younger guy like Thayer Thomas, who, you know, whoever it may be. But so, so the thing that like probably hurts him most is that I'm not familiar with the special teams history, but my read on it is that he was not a big participant on special teams. But when you take a look at players like mm-hmm. Brandon Powell, Jalen Rager, Jalen Naylor, Thayer Thomas, they're all very clearly getting mm-hmm. involved in special teams duty in camp and have a history of special teams in the NFL and in college. Yeah, he's not going to make it. I, I think the more interesting question is, does this become like a, a Perry Nickerson type? Is he just going to be this like weird reserve on the practice squad and maybe gets called up if, mm-hmm. if guys get hurt? Like, I feel like that is the spot that he's gunning for. Like, if he has a, a really, really, really well here, that feels like what he gets. But I think we have to put him between uh, Kendall Wright and Josh Jackson because I don't think he's going to be on the 53 on purpose. What are the stipulations with the practice squad? Because it used to be they changed it, right? Uh, it used to be two years, three years. It's way moment. looser. Okay, yeah. So there like, still so like is that thing where you you of can only have like so many people that have two accrued years, but it's like you can have more of them. And I, I, there are four I, veteran spots. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I yeah. believe I believe ten are reserved for those with two or fewer accrued seasons, not accredited accrued. They're different. Um, and you in of in those ten, they can only have been on practice squads uh, for three years or something like that. Three years of practice squad rostership or something like that, um, which like I believe describes Andrew Sandeo, right? He was like on practice squads for three years, a little bit with the Cowboys, ends up making the team that ends up starting. Christian Delorio, one of the guy random guys they signed like in the last week, who was on practice various practice squads for five seasons before being activated wow. with, I think, the Bears last year. Wow. Quick, quick note, too, on, on Harry. You asked about special teams. He does not Living. play special teams. 34 career snaps on special teams. Hey, that's more than a, a lot of players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you guys hit it on the head here. This is a Kendall Wright, Josh Doxson acquisition. I would be stunned to see him play for the Vikings this year. But um, I guess we'll we'll find out in the next few weeks. Maybe like between preseason game number one and two, maybe we'll allow for like one final flex pick for that fantasy team. I'll think about it. Give us like I'll one think- waiver wire pickup. Yeah. Because if yeah. we all have like guys that are hurt or got cut or whatever, then we can drop someone. We'd have to figure yeah. out what waiver order is, though. That's the problem. I think we, yeah. we get 10 fake auction well, dollars free agent to bid. So if you want a guy, go get your guy. We could do after the standings of the first game, Arif. We could do reverse. Yeah, reverse oh, standings. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Just a thought. Um, they've definitely signed enough guys now to to give you some candidates. Uh, Zach Ogile, also out of here. Abram Smith. Luke Braun, you seemed excited about him. You're an XFL enthusiast. Tell us everything we need to know about Abram Smith. He led the XFL in rushing. He's a uh, and he, he was, it was interesting. He was like a really weird study coming out of Baylor because his tape looked really good and exciting. But if I recall, he just didn't have like the measurements. He just didn't have the size. And he went undrafted, kind of went through the, the route everybody goes through and they end up in the XFL. But the XFL can kind of be that proving ground where you just you, you can get an opportunity you never were getting on whatever team you were drafted on. And maybe you can make something out of it. But it, I, it is probably the AJ Rose type thing. And I think the most impact that this has is it takes reps away from D Wayne. Like we were all just talking about, man, McBride probably plays like the entirety of a second half. That might not be the case anymore. And that feels like it is more important than, I don't know, the, uh, we got an RB five. That's going to not make the team. <laughs> uh, looking at his measurables, it doesn't seem like there's a size concern. Height, five eleven five, weight two thirteen. Yeah, no, that seems fine. Yeah, no was, combine I, measurements. I forget why he went undrafted. Uh, pro day. So, so uh, he was clearly not considered a, a combine. In- well, he was a combine invitee. He just didn't do a workout because of a quad injury. It looks like. Um, ah, that'll yeah. Uh, five foot eleven and five eighths, two hundred thirteen pounds. Ran a four five four with a one five three ten yard split. Pretty impressive at two hundred thirteen pounds. Uh, Agility is pretty bad. Four four short shuttle, seven two five three cone. Uh, okay explosions, vertical jump 36, broad jump nine, eight, uh, and then bench reps 13. So it seems He's like got from that, this, that is second like short... gear on him that that yeah. implies any kind of experience or skill set in the passing game that you sure. remember from the XFL. I, I, I think I don't think it was anything like particularly spectacular, but it wasn't like D Wayne McBride where he just didn't okay. do it. Yeah. Um, gives you something to go off of anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, if you look at the, the plays that probably got him here are these big breakaway touchdowns where he, he would have that kind of second gear that would wreck a safety's angle. I think that's Mm -hmm. probably what they're after here. Mm -hmm. 13. So he only had one season at Baylor where he was productive. So, um, he's listed running back 2018, running back 2019 linebacker, 2020, Mm. uh, right. He changed positions. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. And that might explain why. Uh, and then yeah. back at running back in 2021, where he got 1,600 yards. Jeez. Uh, and then thir- uh, for, with 12 touchdowns and then 13 catches for 75 yards. We were all pumped about like, dude, let's get McBride. All these touches. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just wanted somebody like, what if he needs to come off the field? Well, Madison's not. They even were short of body. Enough. They needed a guy. Then it, it was never really that realistic not to have, again, a A.J. Rose or Rock Thomas kind of guy. So um, they have that now. And I still think Dwayne McBride sees a, a lot of touches in all three of these preseason games. But you got to have somebody when he needs a breather or, you know, something. Uh, my shoe's the, untied, dude. All right, throw in the uh, – who do we got? <laughs> my shoe's who do we got? Untied. The uh, level of competition that he will likely be seeing in preseason games that you see in the fourth quarter of preseason games when you know you're that low on the death chart. It's like a lot of the same dudes you see in the XFL, so you might see some, some hey, of this stuff replicate. It's true. Uh, Panthers out here signing Justin Houston. The Bears getting Gakwe. The Vikings got Abram Smith. <laughs> Yes, uh, all we got a new team. All right, new promotion to discuss right. with FanDuel, and then we're going to talk about the impact of the James Lynch injury. That's next, but we are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. 
It's America's number one sports book for a reason. Football season's back, baby. They're about to kick off, and FanDuel's giving you a chance to win all season long. Right now, bet on a Super Bowl winner. You can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. That's a great deal. Pick any team to win the Super Bowl. Bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and plenty more. FanDuel.com slash locked on is the website. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. Check it out today at FanDuel. All right. I cut off Arif Hassan before that. Reed, Arif, did you want to finish that point? No, I just said he made the all XFL team, led the XFL in uh, rushing yards, five yards carry, which leads all running backs, I believe. So not bad. High not- first down percentage, 27%. That's pretty good. Hmm. So they've got Lucky Jackson leading receiver, correct? And now Abram yeah, Smith. Yeah, the, the defenders were like far and away the best team, and we kind of got there. Uh, Lucky Jackson wasn't the leading receiver, but he was the leading big play receiver. Who was the leading quarterback in the XFL? Uh, by like passing yards? Yes. Uh, or whatever. Selective stat. James Madison's very own Ben DiNucci. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> ben DiNucci. Great pull. Um, James Lynch goes down with a torn ACL injury bug continues to hit the Vikings. Sounds like TJ Hawkinson has a minor injury of some kind. They are ramping up to Neil Hunter, uh, Marcus Davenport back. So some good news, but some bad news. James Lynch, I think was a bubble guy, but he had shown more from a depth chart standpoint than I expected. Like they used him a little bit in dime packages, for instance, and frequently with the twos. And, and I thought he was, probably above like a Ross Blacklock um, and kind of right on par with someone like a Sezi Otomewo. Well, he tears his ACL done for the season. Or uh, Luke Inman, what do you make of that loss for the Vikings? Yeah, you mentioned a couple of sub packages he was in. I think he rotated in with the ones at various points between minicamp and OTAs as well. But they've also done that with a lot of different bodies. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. how much weight to put into that. I, I think that group just as a whole, I think the conversation's always been once you get past the starters, it's okay. We've got about eight, nine bodies here for maybe two, three spots. And you already know Jaquel and Roy has one of those locked up. So that's one. So I know he was in the mix, right? Probably close to a 50 50, whether he made the final 53 or not. But for me, it always felt like he was more likely to get cut than make it just based solely off the numbers. Too many bodies back there. And if they did keep him, in my mind, it was because, okay, Flores. He's already got two younger backups with Roy and Asezi. So he wants one veteran guy in here who's actually logged some real snaps and playing time in the mix. And even then, I think to myself, okay, then he'd have to outplay Jonathan Bullard, who's also rotated with the ones once in a while too. So just felt like on paper, Jonathan Bullard maybe had a slight edge over him just based, again, off the depth charts we've seen at practice. So, yeah, it's a bummer. I hate to see anybody go down at any point. But if there was one position you were going to lose a guy and still feel okay as far as just the bodies and depth chart and rotation. It always felt like that backup defensive line spot. Um, you were going to be okay. You got some more bodies back there. So I think the Vikings will be okay, not losing much as far as like a real contributor goes. And I think, you know, moving forward now, I guess guys like Jaquel and Roy and Asezi should get more snaps. And if they do still want to keep that older veteran, you know, that one guy who's logged some snaps, then Jonathan Bullard, probably the clear cut choice now. Yeah. Braun, your thoughts. I didn't see the injury. Did you? I did not, uh, but the offensive-defensive line it is always kept kind of further away while they 
entertain everybody with mm-hmm. wide receiver cornerback one on one, so you always get yeah. distracted. Um, but I, this sucks for James Lynch so much, yeah, because he could. I mean, even if he was going to get cut, I didn't have him have him on my fifty three projection, and so even if he was going to get cut, he felt like a guy that had a good chance to maybe get claimed on waivers by someone else. Um, just as somebody with some experience as a rotational guy, solid rotational guy, there's a market for that. But now he, instead of having that going into a contract year with that or going into free agency with that final year of rotational play saying, look, I'm a solid guy, put me on your roster. Now he has to try to work his way back in coming off of injury. And then also only being a rotational guy is just so much harder of a situation for him to have to uh, fight through. He's going to be, somebody's kind of he's going to be someone's Tay Gowan right at defensive line where they pick him up and you go yeah this guy ain't making the team but I guess he's a filler camp body and he has to now go kind of shed that and work his way up a depth chart from way deeper than he otherwise would have been and that just sucks so bad but uh, otherwise I'm I'm with Inman for the Vikings where it just doesn't feel like this is too effective on them just because of all the other bodies that they had James Lynch hey solid rotational guy and it felt like that he was kind of a a roster threshold guy like make the team beat a solid rotational guy if you can beat a solid rotational guy in James Lynch you make the team and if enough guys beat a solid rotational guy then we cut the solid rotational guy and hey that means we're in a pretty good spot depth wise Mm -hmm. um now you don't really have that same thing but I I'm not sure they would have needed it yeah there's not much to add there I um I, I had him making uh, the team uh, two roster projections ago, and then my last roster projection, he didn't make the team, and that's kind of exactly where he lives. Part of the reason he didn't make the team my last roster projection, I think it's because I only had like 23 defensive players. Um, and so like that's just, you know, when you're when you're living there, that's kind of where you start to make cuts is like your James Lynch's. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously injuries suck. He deserved... Um, you know, more than a lot of players, he deserved a, a real shot at making the roster because you get the feeling that I mean, he's probably only got one or two more shots at making a roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, having been on an NFL, you know, rotation or roster for quite a while without being, being able to make an impact. Uh, honestly, I think the Vikings kind of screwed him when they drafted him, uh, moving him to the inside when he was an outside guy in college. Uh, and, um, you know, it really sucks, you know, when, when, a, when a player uh has to like change positions and it doesn't work out for them because it really feels like the coaching staff might have failed them or something like that so um yeah i don't know it's it's tough especially because i mean he was like a nose tackle for a bit with the vikings which is yeah nuts to me yeah. wow um so uh yeah i mean he led the fbs in pressures like that's come on uh so yeah it it, it sucks um but from a vikings perspective like you know, if you were going to pick injuries, you know, obviously you wouldn't pick anybody, but you'd pick someone who's less likely to make the team. Vikings have messed up a couple defensive linemen over the years, more so in the Zimmer era, but Jalen Holmes. Uh, I, don't, Jaleel... I don't think Jalen Holmes ever had a shot. I'll be honest. I mean, yeah, they did climb at the edge for a little bit before they moved him inside, too. Yeah. A little different. Yeah, it's, it's tough to say it's, if they make it's those one moves. Thing... It's one thing to like draft a guy and then say, we're going to move you, you know, we're going to draft you to play a different position than the one you played in college. And that's your plan. And then it doesn't work out. And then it's another thing where you draft someone and then they just kind of suck. And you're like, well, can you play inside? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, I think, more what happened with Jalen Holmes with uh, with James Lynch. They drafted him and were like, you're playing defensive tackle. You might need to play nose. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, great, cool. They they did like their psychological testing and found that he had the um, 
psychological framework of a defensive tackle. So cool. Yeah, kind of a last ditch effort kind of thing there. Um, let's get a little stock up, stock down report. Luke Braun's been at the last two practices, robbed of Sunday because of the washout. Uh, they moved it inside, had a walkthrough. They'll be back at it today. But um, two now, right? Two that they've twice. washed out. Yeah, twice they've had to move inside. I don't think there was a first one. They moved inside for like the last Part half hour. Right. Of the day. Oh, yeah. yeah they right. still had most of it. Lightning. But yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, good call on that. Um, Luke Braun, a little stock up, stock down market report uh, on on Vikings that you've observed. What has stood out to you of late? Sure. The two guys that I've been answering with all of this, and I think it's just about everybody's answer, Ivan Pace and Brandon Powell. Um, everybody is raving about Ivan Pace and with good reason. He's seeing everything in front of him. He's reacting to things quickly. He's breaking quickly. He's rangy enough to take advantage of all of that. But I think what's most impressive is as a rookie, he seems to really have the reads and the keys and everything he needs to have like really down pat and Brandon Powell just looks really explosive. He's the smallest receiver on the team. Um, and that's always going to put like a limit on exactly how high he can rise up that depth chart. But it feels like not only is he, um, in one-on-ones and sevens, 11s, all of it is just kind of always open and creating separation by exploding really, really quickly out of his breaks. Um, but also on the special team side, he is the steadiest of steady punt returners. So stock up Powell, which means stock way down Rager. Uh, it just looks like Powell is a straight upgrade on Rager as both the wide receiver five and the punt returner positions. Maybe even Powell could be pushing Naylor for wide receiver four. As good as I heard Naylor was, can't make the club in the tub, right? Uh, that's the unfortunate reality of how this goes. So I, I feel like kind of stock down for everybody else that's in the wake of, of this Brandon Powell having a great camp thing. And I'm really curious to see when we get into a preseason game and guys are going to be a little more physical with him, how does that affect things? Does he totally disappear but, when somebody can well, really mug him the way you, do, you don't do it? practice? also provide that. Mm-hmm. You know, the joint practices tend to be a lot. Yeah, the joint practices too, yeah, but they'll be like, after a preseason yeah. game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see both of those. Unfortunately, we're just... It seems like uh, people are getting a poorer view than normal of the offensive line, defensive line uh, battles that have been occurring since the pads have gone on. Yeah, anyone... they're like tucked away in the back, so it's really That's hard tough. to see. Yeah. Um, has there been any standout in that category? Um, I I have only I've probably been able to successfully observe and figure out who was who on maybe like six reps, but Jaqueline Roy was good on two of them. Great. So there's that. Hey, do you know who we beat? Probably not. <laughs> Couldn't tell. <laughs> They're He's making it starting right Sobel. now for the Hall of Fame. We're coming. <laughs> yeah, right. Two reps, baby. Will Raggett's reported that Andre Carter had a tough first practice in that regard. Mm. Oh, I did see wow. a couple of those. Yeah, Andre Carter. I think he got stonewalled by Vidarian Low. All right. Well, that's it. Bye. It's over. Yeah. Back your bags. Luke I'll, throw, uh, I'll throw Makai Blackman in the mix. I mean, kind of cemented, oh, sure, yeah. it feels like, just in that starting nickel rotation over Jawan Williams for him to come in as a third-round rookie, too, and be working with the ones. That's a great time for things to come, hopefully. Ivan Pace, though, clearly like the A1 yeah. top Everyone's pick been here, right? About him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like no one's improved their stock more than that kid, and everybody's buzzing about him because you just don't see a UDFA work their way with the ones and like it's position dependent too. like seeing a UDFA running back or like fullback, obviously way more likely than like a starting quarterback. Right. 
a linebacker is probably in that kind of mix where it's like one of the more easier positions to transition from college to the pros compared to some other positions. But still, for a UDFA to be working with the ones and making plays too, not just uh, coaches are just going to force feed me now and I'm just going to get reps and learn on the fly. But he's actually out there making some plays too. Um, he's just blowing up. His stock is blowing up. And even Harrison Smith was chirping about him on NFL Network. So that's how you know the hype is real. Um, Luke, did you mention Tay Gowan? Because you initially no, were the one who put me on yeah. to Tay Gowan. I mean, you were leading so, the hype train after that night scrimmage and got me all <laughs> jacked up. Sounds yeah. like he's the, balling out, win a lot and, of one-on-one and he, reps. he found Luke's tweets, too. He was like, yeah, let's go. He, he sure go. would, yeah. always. Yeah, yeah. He's never, uh, he's, he sure does find your tweets. The a, Yeah, the first I, practice I saw, Tay Gowan was godly. Like, he was obliterating every... Uh, special teams rep he was destroying every one-on-one and he was going to kind of various twos and threes people in the one-on-ones he's still with the third team though I think it's it's calmed down a bit but I think he I would still say he's having a very good camp um, and sort of cementing himself at least as a guy who will be on the practice squad but I think it'll come down to preseason he can have a good preseason he might get picked up by somebody else he might even be able to sneak himself into the back of the roster as like a sixth guy of special teams kind of Uh, that like Najee Thompson spot I'd been talking about that might be him um and but it'll come down to doing it on tv maybe they cut second round pick Andrew Booth right they're like this take out I are available on special teams Quick discussion on that. Is that becoming slightly more of a possibility or maybe they find maybe they like sneak him onto IR to keep him around? But is is Andrew either IR? I think you have to be worse than that. Yeah, Uh, yeah. you have to be like Wyatt Davis and not be on the second team at all, you know? Yeah, I think you let him play out this rookie contract, no matter how bad things get. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about the whole rookie contract. I don't contract. know. I was going to say, for sure, year three. Yeah. I guess if it just blows up, you finally get him on the field for a little bit and things just blow up, then sure. All right, we've 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 done it. Cam Dantzler, a la kind of the same scenario there. But I'm not there, not this year. Not yet, Sam. Not quite. Yeah. Um. Well, Juwan Williams' stock may be down, like you mentioned, but hey, he's got Nikhil Harry to defend now, which is like right up his alley. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I think that might That's be the guy I can guy. keep up with. Yeah, one for down. Troy Reader, I, I had him making mm-hmm. the final fifty-three in my initial projections before camp. I feel like he's nowhere to be found. Like, not only has pace leapfrogged him, but every time you look, it's Troy Die ahead of him with the twos and sometimes even ones. And for me personally, that's always been kind of like a low key surprise when it comes to just some of these backup battles. So I may have miscalculated his chances a bit. I just thought he would match what Troy Die did on special teams enough on top of being a better tackler and coverage guy. But clearly, the coaches don't think so. So, what do you guys make of what they're doing with the linebackers? Because for the last couple of practices, it seems like all four of the top guys, Hicks, Asamoa, Pace, and Troy Die, those are clearly your top four. And they've all probably done as much work on the first team as the second team as each other. Is, do you think they're just kind of giving young guys reps or do you think that there's some really crazy depth chart surprise about to happen and Jordan Hicks is going to get like Alex Boone out of this? I mean, that would be, I don't want to say the word exciting. It'd be meteoric is too strong though. Uh, it would be big, right? Like it, <laughs> that would, that would be, be like very interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't like, I, to me, this seems more like there is some sort of, practice philosophy in place about you know how important linebackers are to communication and mixing and matching them with different defenses to kind of see um or maybe even improve methods of communication 
Um, what's really interesting about linebackers, I don't know about this defense particularly, uh, certainly in the last in Fangio defense, is that linebackers having to kind of read how to fall off defensive tackles becomes really, really difficult in modern NFL defenses and kind of figuring out what they need to do in response to what the defensive tackles are doing, as opposed to consistently being assigned one static gap. Um, That might be a way for them to evaluate how those linebackers respond to different defensive tackle groupings in the run game, right? Because it gives you, um, based on what those defensive tackles want to do, based on what they're reading, it kind of gives you different keys, right? And so you could rotate the defensive line, and I'm sure they've been doing that, but rotating in the linebackers is just as efficient at that goal. So it could be a communication play. It could be a method of figuring out kind of um, how the linebackers respond to certain types of defensive tackle play in the run game. Um, it could be a depth chart craziness thing. We might see Jordan Hicks on the outs. Um, I don't know. Uh, it also might just be, you know, how much can we trust these guys in sub packages, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Troy Dye does this. Ivan Pace does this, right? Um, and that's different than kind of the all-round stuff that we expect from Osmoa and Hicks. Uh, and so if we kind of throw these guys into sub packages, um, you know, how confident can we be that they can just execute if the other team goes into no huddle? Top of your head, Luke, do you know Jordan Hicks's guaranteed money or like it's it's almost didn't five it all million. guarantee as part of the pay cut? Five million dead. Is it it's a five lot. million dead? Okay. Four it's somewhere between a lot and a little. I don't know about a lot, but <laughs> I don't know about a lot. Spot. But yeah. should we throw Lewis Seen in the stock down? Oh yeah. Stock down <laughs> since when? That's the like <laughs> Uh, After that interception that went viral, how about that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, he was not good on Saturday. I'll say that much. Uh, he's just late to break on everything still. Same I'd, I'd say his here. price is returning to the pre-camp stock. Yeah, yeah, a little so, bump, little yeah. bump with the ven highlight. So I, I think face is like it was an stock. incredible highlight. By the way, it, I gotta want to downplay it. It was, it was a dope play it, it, it I, I think going in we go hey you know maybe just like metellus and bynum are just like playing better than we thought and maybe that's what it is and you know maybe we just have four good guys and, and i kind of it's like no scene is just like clearly the fourth best safety there or how fit? about for stock up what do you think about jay ward mm-hmm. i would i don't think he's safe to play one okay. corner okay they don't even know where they want to play him I'm just, I'm just throwing some stuff i thought you were about to come in with a scorching theo jackson take that, that would have been way more fun. Next note for next time, Arif. <laughs> I'd put Theo Jackson over Jay Ward on my depth chart. Safety five. Oh, yeah, wow. call him whatever you want. It's he's doing the yeah, he's, same he's thing he did at LSU, hybrid. where it's a I little mean, safety, a little rotation near the line of scrimmage. It feels I, like. So I've been calling him a safety because my understanding is that he's been meeting with the safeties. So that's ah well yeah, it's kind of um, from where he like, was, he's not but, playing like deep safety like mm-hmm. at all. Jay Ward. Yeah, it's field. either nickel yeah, they or just want him slotting into courage. what you would call like a will linebacker, but he's playing apex second guy in. I just want to toss Jordan Addison into the stock up because from where he was two weeks ago, like Vikings Twitter was done with him and he's pretty good. I mean, he's <laughs> Vikings he's... thought leaders. I've had it. <laughs> the Vikings <laughs> thought leaders that really didn't like the speeding ticket and the minor hamstring injury and in OTAs. <laughs> Yeah, that injury is way behind him. He looks he looks really fast and he's yeah good hands. He's killing it. Yeah, tracks the ball. Yeah, I I like I'm I'm ready to start thinking about who's going to be wide receiver two. 
I th- in week one. I'm there. Uh, so I read, um, I think it was Alec Lewis's piece at the Athletic. They asked a question about like, you know, is Osborne going to get more snaps than Addison? And he made the argument that Osborne was almost certainly going to get more snaps than Addison, but Addison might end up getting more targets. And part of the reason is on, you know, running plays, you just want Osborne out there if it's going to be an obvious running down. Um, or in plays where you need to be flexible about kind of your approach, right? You know, if Kirk has the ability to mm-hmm. call a, a run or a pass with some level of equal likelihood, you want Osborne out there. But if it's a definite passing play, you know, you're going to want Addison out there and you're more likely to target him because he's more likely to get open because he has the juice. So um, I found that interesting. So it depends on kind of what you call. And he also said that like, who gets the second most target or who gets, you know, more targets between Addison and Osborne doesn't matter because wide receiver two is Hawkinson. But like, which, yeah, True. fair, True. but, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I think that it's kind of interesting. Like, how would you define wide receiver too? the guy who gets more snaps, the guy who gets more targets? For me, snaps. I would call it the guy who gets more snaps, but that's snaps. probably less useful for like betting and fantasy angles, which is probably the way more people care about. Yeah, I, I think all, so it looks, sounds like all of us care more about the snaps when we're designating a wide receiver too. Maybe routes run, but even then, I'd probably give it to Osborne. But like, like blocking yeah, I'd, matters. I'd, yeah, I'd say snaps. Yeah, blocking matters. Um, we are partnered with Sirius XM. Visit the SXM app. Find all the Locked On Sports Minnesota content that includes the Ron Johnson Show, Minnesota Football Party, Minnesota Sports Rankum, uh, Party Foul on Chris Carter. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. Luke Inman, a few weeks ago, you had had the idea to assemble a Minnesota Vikings Mount Rushmore, right? Why don't you tell the people what our Mount Rushmore looked like, and then we'll tell the people what Chris Carter's Mount Rushmore looked like. Go ahead. So I had the 1-1. I went with Alan Page. You had the second pick. You went with Moss. Then we converged and decided together we were going to pick uh, Fran the Man Tarkington. And then for the fourth and final pick, we had to come up – with a list of four, and we threw it up on the YouTube poll. Those four were Chris Carter. Chris Carter. John, John Randall, Randall. Randall McDaniel. Randall McDaniel. And um, Carl Eller. Carl Eller. Thank you. Yeah. And then it ended up being Chris Carter. But most people were arguing for Randall or, or McDaniel. Mm-hmm. So Chris Carter gets asked the question, who's on your Vikings Mount Rushmore? Well, first of all, he cheated and did five. Second of all... He wasn't allowed to pick himself. So he goes, first three, Page, Moss, Tarkenton, <laughs> and then Randall and McDaniel for his five. Randall, Basically, now, now, did he yeah, say nice. John Randall and Randall McDaniel, or did he just say Randall McDaniel and he, we were thinking He did it, it before be and after. He said John Randall McDaniel. Just combine them. <laughs> It's a bogo. Yeah, two for one on the fourth spot on the mountain. But um, just real quick before you get it, here were the votes for the final spot. Carter ran Mm -hmm. away with it 53%. Randall McDaniel was second over John Randall, 18%. Jim Marshall, 17%. Carl Eller, 11%. Yeah. Um, So other than the fact that he straight ripped off the Minnesota football party, how do we feel about Chris Carter's five-man Mount Rushmore. I think it's I pretty spot on because I think we were magnanimous of him not to include himself. 
I'll give him. Well, that. he was Which asked. I think him. would have been more correct. Magnanimous. I don't care yeah. if he was asked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's look, a very Chris if, Carter if, move. Right. Like if you asked Randy Moss to put together a Vikings Mount Rushmore and asked him not to include himself, he would 100% not listen to that instruction, which is his God given (laughs) right. Right. (laughs) So, like, you know, I'm still going to give Chris Carter credit for it. Uh, (laughs) I I like the inclusion of Randall McDaniel a lot. Like, I, I think that when we talk about historical Viking greats, he tends to get. I don't know, pushed aside or under the radar, but like he doesn't get yeah. the same level of conversation that I think generally that he deserves um, or he, he gets put on that kind of tier. And I think that he absolutely should be. I mean, he played at such a phenomenally high level for so long um, that, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a reason that he got into the hall of fame before McTingle. Hall, yeah. Right. Like it's, it, he, he was an incredible player, but when we talk about Viking greats, he just doesn't end up being part of that conversation. So, I think he deserves that. I have I have a project for the PFFers that watch this show to you know CC Sam Munson on here. Yeah. I can't believe they haven't done this. How have they not gone back just as a special project of interest and graded some of the great players of all times seasons? Wouldn't you like be so intrigued? They they have done to, it occasionally. Have they? Didn't they do all the Super Bowls or something? They I, I don't I know think if they, they did have done. Them, but... Yeah, they may have done select super bowls um yeah. it's a great concept though sam but i, I would love to love it yeah I, it, I tell me like the they, pressure is allowed they rated the whole 98 season mm-hmm. like and then skip some time to go to 2006 something like that um but yeah they yeah. started a project to go grade backwards and then they just didn't have the resources for it so um especially because they had to regrade um 2008 which was one of the first years they had data available mm-hmm. so um it's it's been Difficult just in terms of resources and where they want to spend their time and all that. Plus getting access the further back you go to, you know, gradable film becomes pretty difficult, especially now that you're switching from like, you know, 1440 to 1080 to 720 to potato. Right. <laughs> like 360p if you're Two lucky. Pixels. Yeah. yeah right? Super yeah. 8. 240i. Yeah. yeah, like weird scans. Got to get past the interlacing. Yeah, <laughs> it's not progressive. Um, Luke, now Luke you, Ron. this is players, right? You guys, uh, right. otherwise Bud Grant would have been clearly well, yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so the two stipulations were like players only. Obviously, otherwise it's just like it, it's not even fun because it's it was too easy. It, yeah, it's almost too easy, right? And then you know a lot of people were screaming at their TV sets saying got to put AP in here. And so we did gold jacket, current gold jackets. Only. Obviously AP will eventually go into the hall of fame or, or ring oh. of honor for that matter. But it's one of those. So Jim like, Marshall would be ineligible team. then. Uh, did we do just ring of honor? Ring of honor was yeah, a ring of honor. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For that exact point, just to make sure he was in the mix, actually. Mm-hmm. That's right. Jim Marshall would be the one I would contend for because for 20 years of the 60 years of the Vikings, for one third of the entire Vikings, he was the ringleader. He was the person the, that every other player, including some of the other guys on that Mount Rushmore, uh, looked to and listened to. He was for whatever arguments you want to make against him getting in the hall of fame or whatever, he was so much the Vikings for the defining era of the Vikings and those seventies teams and all of those super bowls. He was a Viking from day one. He was part of their very first roster that beat the bears week one, 1961. Um, he just, it feels like he, 
a, a Mount Rushmore without Jim Marshall feels like a, a real Mount Rushmore without George Washington on it. Just feels like he's like so, the number one guy. Uh, so I would I would argue that for the purposes of constructing a Mount Rushmore, I think you 100% need to have Jim Marshall. I also would advocate for Jim Marshall into the Hall of Fame, but his oh, me too for sure. His statistical argument is so unique because he was too consistent is like the issue, like just in terms of his statistical output. Like now that we have um, SAC data, although the SAC data that Pro Football Reference has access to, I've had access to for a long time just because John Turney is the one who published all of that and produced all of that and and Pro Football Reference eventually had access to it. Um, And he just doesn't have a peak. And almost everybody with his total sack numbers have a peak. Um, like he, I think he peaked at like twelve sacks. Like I, it's like 14, 69, yeah. 1969. Yeah. yeah, and and he was what like the fifth best defender on that nineteen sixty nine defense. Right, <laughs> like, right. right. Um, but yeah, it's like, like six Hall of Famers there. Yeah, yeah, and and so like when you take a look at like three or five year peaks, it's like really difficult to isolate which one would be Marshall's. But if you take a look at five year totals. You know, Marshall ends up pretty high on the list. I did a whole kind of study on era-adjusted sack rates, era-adjusted sack totals, uh, taking into account games played, taking into account sack percentages, taking into account uh, how many passes teams threw in whatever era and stuff like that. Uh, and and Marshall's case, like, essentially you kind of have to make an advanced statistical argument in an era without advanced statistics to make the case for Marshall which sucks because he deserves to be in. Um, but yeah, I think for the purposes of Mount Rushmore, it's even more inarguable that he ends up there because it's about kind of honoring, you know, the most impactful Vikings, which occurs not just in terms of, you know, the statistics you gather on the field, but in terms of how you uh, impact the team overall. Just, just tough because who do you bump, right? Who do you bump? You bump Carter? You're bumping Page? Like who in a four-man You're Not mountain. bumping Page, come on. Who are you bumping? Page then? is the one one. Yeah, Page. Yeah, Page is there. Yeah, uh, I I would bump anybody but Page. If you wanted to bump Tark, I'd listen. Like, do you have? <laughs> to, yeah, do you I have think to there make, is. Do you have an appropriate for Randy? Do you bump Randy? You might. I wouldn't. Is there a discussion. Yeah, you might because he did so much of his career and in so many of his accomplishments of as a Patriot. Yeah, like like yeah. a lot of Randy Moss's legend occurs in New England, right? And so yeah. you can make and, a case and, Carter gets in over Moss. Well, no. I absolutely I mean, would make that case. I, I think no. that, yep. like, I think that in terms of impact as a Viking, I, that makes sense. But I just wouldn't do it. Just do it. <laughs> but like, because Carter do it. was the '90s Vikings were Carter, and then Moss joined at the end. But like, yeah. for the whole 1990s, all of those weird mm-hmm. quarterback eras, the Warren Moons and the Jim McMahon, that those were the Carter years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Moss had his years later and after that, but it was just so much shorter and it was so much. So it, okay, was, so well, cut, it was cut off. So to, so to make a similar kind of, I don't know if emotional, maybe pathos driven argument that you made for Jim Marshall, Randy Moss's impact on the Vikings fan base was so monumental. So many people became Vikings fans because of Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. In a way that they did not for Chris Carter, which is not a knock on Chris Carter. It's also like it's not a knock on like Fran Tarkenton, right? Um, that the way that people think about the 90s Vikings, despite Moss only playing for two years of the 90s, mm-hmm. the way people think about the 90s Vikings is characterized by Randy Moss, which is 
nuts. He played more years for the Vikings after the nineties than before, but that's how people think of it. Um, like, and, the, and that's kind of what we brought up too. We were like, okay, just like Mount Rushmore, the real one, there's, there's so many presidents to choose from, but these guys were monumental. They changed the way we look at the game. Randy Moss changed the way you look at the wide receiver position and exactly what you mentioned too. You think mm -hmm. about that time period with the Vikings. It's tough yeah. not to put Randy Moss on there. So, Fran Tarkenton changed the way, you know, we view scrambling quarterbacks, right? He changed the game to some degree or aspect. So I'm with you on that. John Boyce tomorrow. Excited about that. Oh, oh yeah. dude, yeah. Has uh, Luke Braun fought him so yet? So what do you call When's that the cage match? Yeah. The cage uh, match. Uh, uh, Braun has way Boyce. too much reverence for boys to fight him. There's no way. I, I'm just happen. super stoked on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, you are. Watch mine and then watch his, or maybe the other order. I don't care. Watch them both. Uh, watch the. Boyce. But when you when you talk about those years, everybody doesn't call them the Moss years, or the, they call them the Carter Moss years. I think those two, as a pair, are the defining thing with that like that ethos that we're talking about, and that's like one of the compromises. I was talking to somebody. I've, long time ago that did a hall of fame podcast that was only about the nfl hall of fame and was arguing against me about jim marshall and i said Wait, here's the compromise maybe i don't actually remember this is like two or three years ago crazy um, i know that <laughs> but i the compromise was let's just put the purple people leaders in as like a thing and have an exhibit because the hall of fame it's a museum um it's oh so just do like have the purple people leaders all in and that means you know you get a mention for gary larson and stuff which i am 100 percent okay with that'd be uh, fun i mean like so okay you so know here's here's my issue it's like when um when they introduced the contributor you know category i actually didn't like it because it would mean that sid gilman would get in as a contributor instead of as a coach um, and he deserved to get go in as a coach. And I think and I thought at the time, and I still kind of do, that contributor is kind of a less than um category for coaches to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I I think your idea in a vacuum is actually very good, which you know says a lot because I don't like your ideas. Um <laughs> But with reason, you're bad. It was, it was a compromise um, that I had to make. If, if I had uh, my druthers, Jim Marshall would have been in your show. It sucks. I like it yeah. sucks. <laughs> I, um, but yeah, like if like that's the thing is like in that in that context, I would be fine with Gary Larson getting in. Sorry, I'm playing with my Mogus. Uh, <laughs> wow. That was a dog. Is it no, stressing you out? Is it, that your stress? That is a million percent just a dog toy. What? No, it's, it's a little. Come on, it's a soft thing <laughs> that squeaks. But put an put an exclamation point on it. Final point, and then uh, I'm off to the Ron Johnson show. Sure, it's it's like I would 100 be comfortable with Gary Larson getting in uh, within that context, but it would just be um, ideal. Like I like you said, you were compromising, but it'd be ideal if Jim Marshall made it in as a player. And then somebody like Gary Larson or the nose tackle that came after him, whose name just escapes me now, um, came in uh, as no. What? I don't know. No, that was later. <laughs> Much oh. later. But uh, talking about Keith Millard for 20 minutes. Let's, let's bring Hardware Hank White? too. Um, that might have been it. Um, Linval? Yes. Linval. I was talking about Linval. Linval. The fifth. Playing next to Carl Eller. You know, much in like Madden the Ultimate Beatle. Team. 
Um, but yeah, but yeah, I'd be fine with like Gary Larson getting in in that context because it's very difficult to make like a Hall of Fame case for him. But I think that uh, it would be appropriate if Jim Marshall made the Hall of Fame as a player on his own merits. Um, that was spirited. I love uh, the great minds battling it out. Luke Inman, Luke Braun, Reef Hassan. Uh, I'm Sam Ekstrom. Pro, uh, pro football. What was I going to say there? The Minnesota Football Party returns tomorrow. Then we'll be back Wednesday and Thursday with the same crew as well. Find us four days a week on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Subscribe on YouTube, free and available wherever you get podcasts. We're going to go watch Nikhil Harriet practice today, and we're going to love it. Signing off on today's Minnesota Football Party. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.